Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today I'm going to be talking about cookies first versus third-party cookies specifically, and really just trying to demystify and break this down in a very 101 kindergarten type level, uh, because that's what some of my team ask me to try to bring things down a notch sometimes and not get too technical or in the weeds. Um, so that's what we're going to be talking about today and the impact that it has on your business as a, as a brand, as a marketer, et cetera. All right, so first-party cookies, what are they? And you can just Google first versus third-party cookies, and you'll get a host of different results out there And if you want to go more in-depth. But in general, first-party cookies, they're not going away anytime soon. The reason for that is your website relies on first-party cookies to do things like storing your cart details. So if a shopper adds two different products to their cart, then a cookie needs to be able to store that. So as they navigate to different pages and add more items or edit their cart, that's largely done through cookie functionality or functionality that relies on cookies. The other easy one is just thinking about your logged in status. So think about your Amazon account, going back and logging in, logging into your Amazon account, browsing, buying, et cetera. Largely account-based signup systems rely on cookies to enable that functionality. Now, there are trackers, so think Facebook, Google, et cetera, that will also set cookies in a quote-unquote first-party context. And that is really the trying to keep this as a, a basic level here, not get too much in the weeds, but if your domain is domain.com or if your site is uh, getelevar.com, any cookie that I'm setting, so if there's a, in your browser, you can actually look at all the different cookies that are set. If a cookie has a domain of getelevar.com, then that is set in a first-party context. So it's a quote-unquote first-party cookie. If you see other cookies when looking at your cookie view and all the different cookies that are loading on your website, and the domains that those cookies are associated to are a different site, so think Google, Facebook, et cetera, that means those cookies can be read and used across different websites. So let's get into third-party cookies and very basic definition on how that works. So if, let's just agree that Google ads tracking is used on the majority of websites that we visit, and specifically with these two examples, two, these two example websites I'll use. So let's say you go to Macy's.com, who uses Google ads, and specifically tracking that Google ads requires on site, and you are in a normal Google Chrome browser, you're not using Safari, you're, you are not using incognito, you're just in your normal browser. So you go to Macy's.com, you view a product, and the, there'll be cookies set by Google in this case, and this is a fairly hypothetical example, I'm not really using exact cookie names or cookie value names, but Google's DSP, they're going to store information on your activity in a cookie, and then you leave. So let's say you, you don't buy, you don't buy anything from the Macy's site, then you transition over and you want to check the weather later on that day. So you go to weather.com. Weather.com sells ad placements. So they monetize their website through advertising. So they are selling placements to Google or networks similar to Google. 
and you go to your forecast page and you see the product that you just looked at on Macy's that morning, you see that product advertised and that's obviously very personal and targeted to you. That is the, when we hear that cookies are dying or cookieopolis, that is essentially the part of cookies and the functionality behind cookies that are going away. Many browsers already do this by default. Google makes the headlines obviously with their, hey, we're phasing out third-party cookies in 2022, and then they, I think, pushed it back to 2023 and now 2024. But many browsers do this already. If you use Safari as your default browser, this already happens. Your third-party cookies are not being used, especially um, most of our users on Ecom world are uh, mobile. That functionality I just described doesn't really even exist today. If you want to try this out, and by the way, first-party cookies, so when I mentioned the third-party cookies with Safari and other browsers, that is what does not function today. So that use case does not work. Um, if you want to see this in action, you can do, go to incognito mode in, in uh, Google Chrome as well and compare Chrome normal versus Chrome incognito. But first-party cookies regardless, so the cart details and logged-in status and trackers like Facebook and Google setting their own cookies for your domain. So again, within your getlvr.com domain or your own website's domain, there are still cookies being set in Safari by Facebook, by Google that are not being blocked. So let's jump into uh, another example, just going through this in a little bit more technical detail. So if you, if your site, if you have Facebook installed, Facebook will still set at least one cookie. So the FBP, or if you're coming in, if users coming in through an ad click, the FBC cookie, so those two values, Facebook will still set these cookies on your browser or the shopper's browser, and their event tracking will still execute even if the user, in this case a shopper, is using Safari or using Incognito Chrome or any other browser that's blocking third-party cookies by default. That functionality will still exist. And this is why we see, we think that there's just a heightened emphasis by Facebook and other trackers or ad technology platforms that put a an bigger emphasis on a user identifier. So Facebook has the external ID and they have the advanced matching report that you see inside of Events Manager that gives you a scale or ranking based on zero to 10. And if you are, uh, used to be used to be zero to 10, now I think it's a good, great or poor, something like that. But um, they're, they're essentially ranking scoring your ability of the data that you are sending back to Facebook, they're giving you a score to help them to, to help you see how likely they are going to, they as in Facebook, will be able to track a click or a view of an ad back to an event that you were sending to Facebook. And part of that relies on this external ID, which I mentioned, which for a non-logged in user, so someone that is just, just browsing the site, this is going to be an anonymous identifier. So, uh, you know, one, two, three, ABC, it's not going to be someone's email because they're just, I guess, just someone anonymous browsing the site. So if you want to compare the experiences that I just went through, open up Google Chrome and then open up incognito Google Chrome under desktop. And this is a little bit technical. So I'm going a, maybe beyond the 101 kindergarten overview. But if you can open your developer console, so if you're using a Mac, 
you would just right click and you'll see the menu come up over your mouse and you can click on view console. Now within here, there are a bunch of different tabs. And if you click on the application tab underneath cookies, so on the left menu, you'll see storage and you'll see local storage, web SQL cookies. So click on cookies and then go to your domain. So do this in your normal Google Chrome browser and then just filter by Facebook or Google. And you'll see, if you do Facebook, you'll see like eight to 10 different cookies that are set. You should see the FBP or the FPC cookie. And you'll, you'll see a bunch of other cookies that are associated to if you are, so if you are actually logged into the Facebook account on the browser, Facebook's gonna store things like your uh, messenger status and your location and language setting, uh, how long your session duration is, et cetera. But anyways, you should, should see eight to 10 different cookies. Now go in your incognito Google Chrome browser and do the same thing. So right click, go to your uh, developer console, go to the application tab, load your site, filter by Facebook. So in the cookie value section, put Facebook in there and reload the page. You shouldn't see anything. You should only see cookies that have your domain. Now, if you change the filter from Facebook to FBP, you should see the FBP value as a cookie that is associated to your primary domain. And that FBP value is part of Facebook's advanced matching where you'll see, hey, we are, are, we're getting 80% of events you're sending to us have the FBP value or FBC. Again, I'm not gonna go into everything they're doing with that, but that is part of their data collection in a quote unquote first party context or using a first party cookie. So bringing this full circle, things will change. So depending on when you're listening to this podcast, in 2023, 2024 future, there will be new ways for tracking to work and will likely transition out of the phase that we're in today. But for 2022 and largely, I would assume uh, much of 2023, first party cookies are still going to work. Your advertisers are still going to set cookies. So the Facebook or Google cookie values or FBP are identifiers or Google analytics. If you search for GA in the console, you can do that as well you're still going to see cookies that are coming from your advertisers. But that example of the Macy's to the weather and seeing things on weather.com that you viewed on Macy's, that's really that aspect of this cookieopolis that is going away and why you're seeing so much just scary headlines and potentially clickbait headlines that, you know, ad tech is dead. So part of that might be true, but I, I think we've gotten enough questions from our customers at Elevar about well, is Facebook tracking even going to work in incognito or is it anyone going to be able to be, you know, tracked or analyzed in different browsers that are blocking third-party cookies by default? So I wanted to share some education on, on the reality of this, at least for 2022 and 2023. So the takeaways, if you were to ask me what the takeaways are, again, I'll, I'll stay away from the more technical details, takeaways. I'll stay away from uh, legalities, obviously, you know, LLVAR, we provide GDPR integrations for many, like OneTrust and others, even with server-side tracking. So anyone that's using um, LLVAR can maintain legal compliance through client or server-side tracking. But the takeaway is just from a, from a business perspective, when I think about this, number one, this is why direct response advertising is becoming more and more popular. It's like the, the circle has gone around where direct response is 
really what everyone is talking about without saying necessarily the word direct response. So capturing attention, which is done through creative and why creative is quote unquote king today. And there's so much emphasis, rightfully so, put on creative, that is for direct response. So you want to initiate a response through TikTok ads or through reels or Insta videos, et cetera. So that is, again, to me, there's, there's that heightened pressure to produce and create content that is going to capture the attention of your targeted users in a sea of you know social chaos and just billions or trillions of different uh, social interactions and shares that are out there today. So that's number one takeaway for me. Number two, ensuring that you are owning and maximizing your data collection while remaining compliant. And you can look at the Google Ads um, EU restriction where if you are in EU or uh, England, et cetera, and you, they detect that you do not have a GDPR uh, or cookie consent compliance in place, they're going to flag your account. So ensuring you're owning and maximizing your data collection while remaining compliant and leveraging this for your own audience creation and analysis is even more important because it's not automated. You don't just copy and paste tracking scripts here and there, and then everything just magically works and the ad tech vendors are going to be able to tie everything together. And again, using that, that Macy's weather.com example, they just, everything's automated and they do it for you. So you, you will, there will be that heightened importance on audience creation and uh, maximizing and leveraging that. So you can do that through, you can do that through server-side tracking. So making sure that all of your advertising vendors are receiving the proper data. So not just an order, but any session-related details, um, if the customers opted in, any customer-specific details, but you're sending all of these different channels and vendors the information that you need to collect and power their program and reporting for you. You can do this with client-side tracking. Same thing, if, if, many, if a vendor doesn't have server-side tracking available yet, then you do that through client-side tracking. So this is the Google Tag Manager and other integration types. You can start building or buying a data warehouse. So it's either you are using a third-party vendor to act like a data warehouse, or you start building your own. We see customers doing both. That is another big thing that you can use a big, uh, I would say uh, something I'll see more and more brands doing today, and it's likely just going to get going to get easier and easier to do this without having to have you know full time technical analysts on our team to manage and manage that for you. And then you'll see, uh, so Clavio had an announcement this week with their Google Ads audience integration, so where you are able to sync audiences from Clavio segments, etc., and push that as an audience into Google Ads to use in your campaigns. You'll see more and more, I, I expect to see more and more of that, again, to help with your audience management, which ultimately comes back to your data collection and not being able to have that automated targeting. So this is the way for you to sync. And you can see, I, I think Dacity has something similar. Uh, but anyways, you'll see more and more of these likely coming out in the future. And last but not least, the other big takeaway, the obvious one, maximizing your customer list creation. So through email signup or SMS, et cetera, but building your data, building your customer database, that is ultimately going to help you navigate through these tracking challenges and headwinds that we'll continue to face where again, it's just not a copy and paste and everything automatically works 100% of the time. So that's it. I hope this was helpful. The first versus third-party cookies and no, once Google rolls out their change, it doesn't mean that all tracking is dead. 
Uh, that is not the case. I hope this was helpful. And as always, if you have any feedback, let me know. Or if you know anyone that would appreciate or enjoy this podcast, please share with them. I'd really appreciate it. And I will talk to you on our next episode. Thanks. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, we release two new episodes per week. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else that you subscribe and listen to your podcasts. I also have a favor to ask. I'd really appreciate if you could leave a comment or review so I can learn exactly how to improve future episodes for you. And last but not least, if you want to connect with me, find me on LinkedIn by searching Brad Redding at Elevar. That's E-L-E-V-A-R. Or you can DM me on Twitter. My handle is I am Brad Redding. I look forward to connecting with you. Thanks again. Thanks again.